This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to journalist Robert Evans from Behind the Bastards podcast and he's going to be talking to us about these clashes in Portland, Oregon, USA between protesters and now federal agents. The police have left and the federal agents have taken over. It's a very weird situation. Robert has been on the ground for more than 60 nights covering these clashes. The demonstrators have attacked the courthouse. The police have been spraying untold amounts of tear gas. The whole thing is getting very out of hand and Robert is going to explain to us why this is happening. If you like Popular Front, please subscribe to us at patreon.com slash popularfront. Before we get into like how this all built up uh, and why it kind of is happening, um, maybe you can explain to us firstly what is happening because everything I look at, it just seems to be escalating every day. Like what's happening at this stage? Well, you know, the last day or two, things have um, ebbed down a little bit, and they just announced that the feds are being withdrawn, which just means that they're going to have police officers assaulting us again. Um, basically, we had a general uprising kind of against the police as part of the George Floyd uprising start in Portland. And um, for a variety of reasons, largely local um, they just kept going, right? Like people kept coming out and fighting the cops every night. And eventually people started assaulting the federal courthouse, which brought the feds. Um, and that turned into something of a war on the streets. Um, and it's been pretty high intensity. You know, we had once the federal agents came out and got caught like snatching people, um, things escalated to a, a pretty objectively crazy degree. And, and I would say things here got... On Saturday night, last Saturday, was the craziest they've been. And honestly, the craziest I can imagine them being, right? Like, last Saturday was absolutely... It, it can't get any closer to war without live rounds firing, right? And, and, and like, I say that, but the entire time I was up at the front last Saturday, once because they pulled the fence down in front of the courthouse, and so we were just being... Federal agents were just opening up on us with fully automatic impact weapons. But there were also guys, like, sweeping us with laser sights of their fully automatic M4s, like live rifles with live ammo. And I was just like, when we finally retreated because the tear gas was too much, there were just streams of people. I had to break my coverage because there were just, like, five, six people in a row who were all just bleeding heavily from the face, it needed to be set up with medics and stuff. Like it was, um, it was fucking nuts, man. Um, I've never seen uh, uh, riot munitions deployed to that extent, and it is like at this level. When it's at its worst, it's at this level where it's like, you know, you're just you're just shy of shooting. I, I saw the footage and like I was just scrolling and I saw a bit of it and I was like, oh, like Chile's kicking off again. And then it was like, oh, fuck, no, that, that's Portland. That's America. Like, it, it is actually quite crazy. Um, can you explain to us what that fence is? I know there's, like, this big kind of battle over the fence. What is it? Portlanders hate fences. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a thing. Uh, the police initially, when this all started off, the police um, erected a fence around kind of the courthouse and the, um, the justice center, which is, like, police headquarters in our jail. And um, I, I have a little bit of blame for this because I, I, I became frustrated that 
because initially the police wouldn't let people get close to the fence. Um, and when people would try to get close to the fence, even just to touch it, they would tear gas all of traffic. Um, and so I, I started commenting on the fact that the fence was clearly more important than human life because they were willing to blind people driving cars near crowds uh, mm. in order to protect it. Um, and I gave it the nickname, the sacred fence. And that became a little bit of a cult form. I'm going to be honest with you, Jake. It's happened a couple of times. It happened with an elk, too which is a weird story. Yeah, I saw that fucking statue. People love that elk. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. And a little bit of a religion is formed around it. Um, it it's very, things are a little silly here sometimes. Um, but so people started obsessing over the fence and gathering at the fence every night. And there were just dozens of battles over it. And the police would, would shoot the shit out of folks whenever they got close to the fence, which brought people out to the fence constantly. And it was one of those things where, like, eventually the police stopped even bothering trying to stop people from messing with the fence. And so folks would just be tearing it apart um, and throwing like people were throwing the fence over the fence. Um, and eventually the police realized, like, maybe it's a bad idea to have a fence. I guess Portlanders hate fences. But once the feds started doing their thing, the feds kind of had to relearn the lesson the police learned, which is that if you put up a fence in the middle of Portland, people will come out every night to tear it down. Um, and that's kind of where we are now. And I think the feds are backing out because it's become clear to them what a, what a silly idea it is to, to kind of be here. Um, like last night, the feds came out and tried to clear everyone out at like two in the morning. And all they really succeeded in doing is marching around, tear gassing everybody and going back inside. And the crowd immediately reformed outside the fence to throw flaming garbage at them um, because people just don't give a shit anymore. Right. They don't run away for any reason anymore. That's what I've been wondering. Like, how did this start? I think you were saying it's been going on for like 30 days, almost constantly. 63 days. 63 days. Fucking hell. All right. So so this came off the back of the, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter and the anti-police violence protests. What What is it now? Like, is it is it something more like have they got demands? You know, what is the protest about? Uh, most of the people here are pretty much straight up police abolitionists at this point, right? right? They don't want it, you know, and, and it's not like on, on a broader scale, right? Like I'm sure a lot of people do want that on a nationwide scale, but more than anything, people in Portland specifically hate the Portland police and don't want them to exist anymore because they're terrible, right? Like one of the statistics I can give you is that 58% of the time when Portland police use violence, it's against a mentally handicapped person. Um, right. No, they're a horror. And there's 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 evidence that suggests that over the last two months, there have been more um, excessive force complaints against Portland police officers than police in any other city in the United States. So they're probably beating the LAPD and the NYPD right now, which is fucking nuts. Right. Like that anyone could beat the the LAPD. Right. And, it, and it's a much smaller area as well. Right. In Portland. Yeah, it's not a big city. Right. Mm -hmm. There's like you know less than a million people really kind of in this area. Oregon's tiny. Right. Um, the whole state's only about 4 million people. Nobody lives up here. This is something that I think is important as well. Like, I'm glad you brought this up because people have been saying to me, oh, you're biased, you don't like the police, blah, blah. And I'm saying, mate, like, go and look at the figures. Go and look at the situation that Portland police are in. This is not new, right? This has been going on for a long time, like the brutality of the Portland police. 
Yeah, they've been really bad for, I mean, going back to like 1920s, right? In 1921, the Portland police partnered with the Ku Klux Klan um, and like we're handing out, the Klan would pick groups of vigilantes to go enforce the law and the um, the police would hand them guns and give them arresting powers. And they, they didn't have to like give out their names. It was like a secret police force that the Klan and the PPB set up together. Um in 2010, a Portland officer named Kruger uh, was caught keeping a series of Waffen SS shrines in a local park. Um, and the Portland Police Union, like, the, I think his, like, superiors wanted him out of the force, but the police union went to bat for him and defended him and got him an apology. Um, Jesus. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and he retired with a full pension. Um, in 2018, they shot a demonstrator in the back of the head with a grenade and nearly killed them. Uh, that same year, you know, there was a, a dueling rally between Antifa and the Proud Boys, and they caught a bunch of out-of-state Proud Boys setting up scoped rifles on the roof of a building. And they, like, they didn't tell the mayor. <laughs> they didn't even tell the mayor what they were, that, like, people had been setting up a sniper's nest. With live rounds. Yeah, live rounds and everything. Like, they, it, people don't found out until afterwards. Um, so they're not, not a great police department, Jake. Um, and um, it's it's been... It, it, it's been a um, it's been a long fight with them. And so, like, one of the things that's kind of been frustrating, as important as sort of the story of these federal agents and these federal teams coming into town is, um, I think there's some frustration. There's definitely frustration on my part, but frustration with, like, people who have been here longer of, like, well, but, you know, the main fight that we've had is with the Portland police, right? Like, our main issue, we don't like these feds, but, like, are the the feds are kind of an afterthought, right? Like they came along a month and a half into this and all they're doing is kind of a more competent version of the violence that our police were doing. Right. Maybe you can explain them. What is the difference between the standard police and the federal agent type police? Because as a Brit, you know, I don't, I don't really get it, honestly. And I know that a lot of people probably won't. Yeah. Federal agents work more like soldiers. So they're not actually trained in riot suppression. Like they're not trained. They don't work the way police do. There's a rhythm with police. They're kind of predictable. For one thing, the feds, the police will use impact weapons on you to try to disperse a crowd. The feds fire impact weapons into a crowd as if they were shooting a rifle. Um, so they fire for effect. They fire to suppress. Um, they shoot for the head a lot of the time. You know, the people who have been seriously injured by rubber bullets, it's generally a wound right between the eyes. Um, so people are just getting like shot between the eyes with baton rounds. Um, so they're not, um, they're, they're, when it comes to harming people, the feds are much more competent than our police. Um, when it comes to actually breaking up a crowd, they're actually kind of worse because all they know how to do is fill the area with so much tear gas that there's no more oxygen. Yeah. The tear gas that I've seen there, I mean, God, I, I don't, I don't even know how many clashes and protests I've covered around the world. I don't think I've ever seen that much tear gas, man. Like not even in Turkey. I would be surprised if there is currently a more heavily tear-gassed spot on earth than the federal courthouse in downtown Portland. Yeah, legit. It's crazy. Why are they doing this? Like, what kind of... Now, I know that the, the protests are not... They're not peaceful, like, but it's like, they, you know, it's a fight. It's People saying, well, they're not peaceful. It's like, well, yeah, you don't say. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the police are doing all this. Um, showing up to fight. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe you can tell us about that. Like, what are the protesters up to? I know they're not all coming to fight, but some have got shields. Like, it looks like Hong Kong. Like, it's mad. Yeah, the protesters, you know, I, I, I will say I haven't seen 
any real actions taken that I feel were likely to cause serious harm to the federal agents. You know, people throw paint. Um, uh, the fires that have been started haven't really had any chance of harming a human being. I don't even think like they've broken windows on the courthouse and graffitied it, but like even that damage that, you know, I think the estimate is like 50 grand. Um, so it's not like, you know, it's not that much. Um, I, I, there's a, there've been some claims made by the feds that like a couple of agents have been blinded permanently by lasers. I don't know how seriously to take that because there's been a bunch of sketchy shit said by them. Like they made claims about, they caught a guy, they arrested a guy who had a, a device they said uh, seemed to be a pipe bomb, but they never charged anyone for possession of a pipe bomb. And looking at the picture, it just appears to be a metal tube. And some of the activists I've talked to have suggested like, oh, it's probably a glass breaking device. And the fact that they didn't charge this guy for possession of a pipe bomb leads me to believe that he didn't have a freaking pipe bomb. Yeah, absolutely. But but they did tweet a thing the other day where they said like uh, they claimed to have found a bag with like loaded magazines in it, and they had these like weird molotovs that looked like these huge kind of jars, like the big friendly giants molotovs. And it was like, and the the magazines, the rifle magazines that they found were covered in paint and were the exact yeah. color of the paint that people had doused federal agents in, federal agents who were wearing the same kind of magazines. So it's a little. And it's one of those things where it's like they made a big deal about the magazines and they made a big deal when they like arrested someone who had a machete. And none of those things are illegal in Portland. 30 round those magazines are there's no law that says you can't have a bag with magazines in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like even if they're loaded, it's in no way a criminal act to have that. Um, Likewise, it's legal in the city or it's legal in the state of Oregon to openly carry a knife of any size on your body as long as you don't conceal it. Um, and there's no, like, it, it's, it's so they, they, they kind of tend to highlight when people are arrested with things like machetes and firearms, but there haven't been any cases of people actually using them to harm people. Someone did swing a hammer at a federal agent at one. Right, right. Um, and I've seen there's some, there's a, a lad has been filming some stuff. Uh, I think it's called like a day in the life. Very good footage. And it does look absolutely hectic. But like you say, like a lot of it is kicking back tear gas grenades, um, you know, deflection, there's shields. And you, you were tweeting about the phalanx, like, you know, like the kind of Sparta looking thing. Tell us about that. One of the things that's been really gratifying has been watching um, people go from you know, everybody gets tear gassed and the crowd disperses and everybody runs away and the cops are just kind of chasing unorganized groups of like fleeing people through the city um, to people starting to bring out, you know, traffic cones and, and leaf blowers and shields, but not really knowing how to use them um, to, uh, you know, about three or four weeks ago in a telegram group, a bunch of activists started like asking, OK, we have these shields, we have these leaf blowers. How do we actually stand? Right. Like, how do we hold up when they start charging us? Like, how do we not break and run when they rush us? Um, and they started, like, working together both online and in person and training. And about two weeks ago was the first time where, you know, the feds went out in the street and confronted the phalanx or, or the, the shield wall. The shield wall formed up and was able to hold up and advance under heavy fire because they got, you know, they got enough leaf blowers to keep the gas away. They got re- good enough quality enough shields people got like their nerves kind of at a tight enough level that they were able to hold up against the police. And it's been really impressive. Like on, on last Monday night when people actually, you know, the people tried to tear down the front 
door like gates of the of the courthouse um the feds came out shooting and the phalanx formed up and forced them back inside when there's enough people out it works very well um and the feds have introduced some new tactics to like you know break it up since and we're kind of always there's always a little bit of an arms race going on you know um but it was amazing on like monday night you know, things got so intense that it was like the phalanx was advancing to like 20 feet away and people were just hucking bottles at like federal agents with fully automatic rifles, um, like close enough that the feds couldn't disperse them. Um, it was it was very impressive. So like the Portlanders have gotten really good at at those aspects of it. Now, uh, on a grander strategic level, I have some some issues with some of the decisions people have made. Um, but in terms of like tactically, uh, protesters have gotten very good at, at sort of standing up to federal agents and the police. Yeah. And it's weird. Like I was always very critical of like, um, us protest movements for a few years because it just seemed very aimless. And a lot of it just seemed to be for the gram in my opinion. And people would say to me, well, yeah, like you guys do it heavy in Europe, but you're not coming up against armed police like we are. But now I'm seeing the stuff in Portland. It's like those guys are going absolutely hard and they have the armed police and they have federal agents. What is it, do you think, that is really pushing this specifically? It's become a real, I don't know, it's become like a real center point for like hardcore protesters as far as I can see anyway. You know, it, it, as some of it is just the sheer length that it's been going on. I, I, I know I can tell you when the switch happened, right? Because for the longest time, people would protest and people would get good at reforming and marching at the police line. But at the end of the day, all they were doing was standing, at, like showing up, marching to the police, getting assaulted, reforming and marching back to the police. And that was kind of the most folks were capable of, of figuring out. And that changed. There was an action um, that marched to, it formed up and it marched to the North precinct, which is one of our police stations and occupied it briefly. And when the police began to form up to disperse everybody, the crowd moved on rather than kind of waiting for them to start shooting, um, and kind of stole a march on the police and wound up at the police union headquarters. And they got there when they got to the police union headquarters, which the police had gassed us a couple of times for getting close to that. When they got to the union headquarters, there were no police there. Uh, and this is the first time that happened. And so the crowd had surrounded the union headquarters and there were no cops. Kids started lighting uh, dumpsters and flaming barricades. Uh, and then a it was one of those things where as press, we were kind of all sitting around wanting to know, like, what are they going to do? What kind of they make? And suddenly the crowd started chanting, what did you see? We didn't see shit. What did you see? We didn't see shit. And then they broke down the doors of the union building and lit it on fire. Um, and ever since then, that was kind of like breaking a seal, right? Like people needed to make the call to just straight up assault and destroy police property. And once they did that, folks have been like doing that to the courthouse. They've been much more, you know, they've been repeatedly assaulting federal agents. They've been much more kind of willing to um, to break the law since then to like, you know, in a really in a really like aggressive and straightforward way. But it took kind of this period of desensitization, you know. Mm. There, there was this kind of fear that I think was in everybody's heart as to like, you know, whether or not any sort of, you know, really aggressive action by the crowd would lead to the police shooting. Um, and finally, folks decided to just like go for it 
And I, 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 I can't tell you what it is that led to that other than just sort of once you've been tear gassed and beaten enough by the police, you do eventually kind of lose your fear of them. Right. The flame just went too high to go down, basically. Yeah. Um, and tell me about the people protesting. What is it like? What kind of a crowd are we seeing? Like, is it black people, white people, locals? Like, who's there? Yeah, you know, people have criticized the protests for being very white, and that's true because Portland's very white. It's the largest, it's the it's the whitest large city in the United States. Uh, I will say, I think the protests are more diverse than the city at large is. You know, higher proportions of, of black and indigenous people than the actual city has. And they've been growing more diverse as this has gone on. Um, I don't think it's really fair to critique them for uh, uh, for being white because, you know, 75% of Portland's white, right? Like, what do you expect? Yeah, that's always such a, like, weird thing that the right-wingers would do. Like, oh, it's all the white protesters. Like, as if white people can't be pissed off at, like, police violence and attacks on black people too, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is like, OK, well, if we're all in agreement that white supremacy is a problem, like, are you expecting black people to be the only ones to deal with it? Right. Like as if we'd be like, oh, well, you know, we're white, so we won't do anything. Like, no, like it's like, no, you got to do the thing straight away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's, um, you know, it's it's a really weird cross section. You know, I, I've met people. I've met a lot of nurses. Uh, I've met one of the guys who comes out here is like a, a semi-professional trumpet player who just like will play like charge music and like military marches and stuff, often shirtless. He gets <laughs> shot a lot by the cops. Um, right. You know, there's there's uh, musicians and artists who come out. Uh, there's, um, um, yeah, like doctors and nurses, uh, uh, people who, you know, work service industry jobs, um, people who are, uh, are software engineers and stuff like really uh every kind of folks from every walk of life have wound up showing up and you know th there's a degree to which it's become kind of its own self-reinforcing community um and it's kind of the it's kind of w part of why i think it's gone on so long is that it is kind of the thing that's happening right now too and now it it, it kind of is providing sort of a social life um and a uh a, and also kind of an emotional life for people right like there's this you know the thing that you never get I don't know about you, Jake. I don't get it as much like going to war zones as a reporter is this thing that I know that my, like my friends who served in the military get that like sense of being in, you know, being in the foxholes with somebody of like being part of a unit with somebody that kind of bond that comes from repeatedly every single night going into a dangerous situation with the same group of people. Um, you yeah. know, generally reporter, you know, it, it's been like a week or two at a time that I would go into a situation. I, I know what you mean, but I do find it like, I do think it's really powerful. Like there is something about that where you just like, it bonds you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's bonded folks in a way that, uh, I think is pretty, it's not something I had gotten to experience before, like the feeling of, um, of being part of a unit. Um, and it, like, for me, it's been kind of as part of the press corps as opposed to as part of um, the protests themselves. Um, but I definitely, like, I feel like, because um, it, it's this, it's this at, at the seven-week point, you know, it's, um, it's different from just sort of um, showing up with the crew in town and filming a project. Um, it's like I go out every night with the same group of people and we all get shot at together. Mm. And it's... Um, 
it's it's kind of created a pretty strong bond yeah right and then imagine like being on the other side where it's the people actually throwing the stuff back like you know it's people don't realize that like there's something about like i don't know whether it's a militia or like you're saying like groups of people going to protest i don't know there's a lot of meaning in that whether whether people from the outside like it or not a lot of people like oh they're laughing and it's like well actually like for the people doing it it, it, it there's a lot more to it do you know what i mean um, speaking of which, like, do you, do you see any specific political ideology from like the kind of frontliners, if you like, like, are they a group or is it just kind of, we're fighting the cops? You know, it, it's, it's mostly, um, I, I don't see much, I, I think broadly, if you're asking for like kind of what the dominant political ideology is, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, you know, it, to, to be honest, one of the things that's been really like the, the, the kind there, there's, there's a couple of different groups, right? There's the more experienced core of the Portland protests who are the folks who've been activists for a long time. Mm -hmm. And this includes the people who are um, like the people who are, are are the medics, um, the people who are, you know, when you have a big March, the people who will be like outriders on bicycles and motorcycles, blocking roads to make sure that the March is safe. The people who like are very experienced and know what they're doing. Um, a lot of those folks are like tend to be anarchists, kind of old school anarchist activists. Mm -hmm. But uh, the bulk of the rank and file is just kind of at this point a pretty broad cross section of the city. Um, I don't think there's like a lot of. Um, I don't think there's much of a distinct. I I I don't think I I I think that. Um, I guess one of the things that's been that that is kind of frustrating about American protests a lot of the time is you do kind of get this. Um, everybody kind of throat comes in with their pet political causes to sort yeah. of like try to make it about it. So you'll, you'll, you'll be at like a protest for racial justice and there'll be a guy with a legalized pot sign or whatever. Um, um, or people like, you know, talking about circumcision or whatever at a, at a protest for economic injustice or whatever. And people have done a really pretty good job consistently in these protests of kind of number one, keeping the focus on, um, you know, uh, there's been a, a pretty, a very consistent focus on not just Black Lives Matter, but sort of the um, the violence done by law enforcement to non-white people in the United States. Like that's been a really consistent um, focus of of folks at these demonstrations. That they've been good at kind of, I think, keeping at the center of things. Um, and there's also a very consistent sort of you know, people who are out there as a general rule aren't advocating for a political system as much as they're like, we need to get rid of these fucking cops and these feds. Um, and they're, they're pretty consistent about pushing for that, um, in a way that I think, um, it's, it's kind of the thing that I, I've, I've sort of been feeling for a long time in the United States, which is that our protest movements, if they're going to actually make anything happen, need to, um, need to be very focused right about uh, about what they want to achieve it, you can't just um you can't you can't just sort of like let everybody's kind of pet political um desires uh uh, uh get it become part of like the um part of the movement right it, you you have to have kind of a a focus on, you know, like they did in Hong Kong, like these are our very specific demands. And I, there's not as much of a specific set of demands, but there is one kind of consistent demand, which is like, we want to, if we can't abolish the police, cut as much funding and manpower from them as possible. And, and pretty much everybody 
who shows up now, I think is on the same page about that. Um, and so I, I can definitely say outside of maybe like Standing Rock, um, this is probably the most focused U.S. protest movement I've seen. Right. But at the same time, they don't really have an end goal, right? Like, it's kind of, it's confusing to me because I get what you're saying. Like, they want to have a, you know, a decrease in funding, which is is, is just never going to happen because Trump is Trump. You know what I mean? He's already said he's not going to do it. Um, I don't know. Like, for me, it, it's like, I'm like, wow, it's, it's incredible that they're still protesting and this violently. But it does feel like, where does this go? Where does it end? I mean, what do you think? You've been on the ground. You know it more than I do, of course. Like, what do you think about that? Well, you know, it, it is possible to get funding cut, right? Because that isn't up to Trump. That That's kind of a local issue. So Portland Portland has succeeded already in getting about 25 million cut out of our police budget. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm an idiot then. I, I didn't realize this. Sorry, explain it to me. How does it work? Yeah. So, you know, Portlanders and Oregonians can't really make anything happen in terms of the feds, right? The, the, the federal government can send federal agents wherever the hell they want, basically, and use them for whatever the hell they want. And that is a broader national problem, right? Like the deployment of these kind of special federal tactical teams that have been being used in Portland and that are going to be increasingly deployed around the U.S., that is an issue that can only really be solved in the long term by kind of national political changes, you know, getting different people in at the federal level um, and and maybe cutting funding from DHS, that is a thing that like can't be handled immediately, right? That's the thing that's, you know, maybe in November it might get dealt with, but I kind of don't think Joe Biden's going to cut their funding either. But the no. cutting, cutting police funding is very doable. So like one of the big things that's happened, because Portland and Seattle have kind of a friendly rivalry and both cities have been protesting their police very um, diligently. And Seattle has succeeded in, 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 Getting, they're in the process of cutting their po- their police budget by fifty percent, which is huge. Um, and Portland's only cut about twenty five million out of their police budget, which is you know leaves it at about two hundred forty million, so it's still pretty significant. Um, but they've gotten so far, um, they've gotten they dissolved the school resource officer program, which is like the cops that we have in schools, and they've gotten the gang task force shut down, which is kind of traditionally the most violent part of the Portland Police Bureau. Um, so there have been wins, right? Like they've, they've succeeded in, in reducing the scope of police in our, in our community. And I think there's a desire to just do it more. Like, again, there's this bit of a rivalry with Seattle. Like once Portland started going off heavy again, Seattle went and and burnt down a a child prison. Um, it hadn't been finished, right? There was nobody inside it. Um, but they, you know, there's this kind of rivalry between the two cities. And I think a lot of Portlanders are like, Maybe we don't get abolition yet, but we should at least try to cut our police budget as much as Seattle's cut their police budget. Um, so we'll see what actually happens in the long term. But like, it is kind of important to note that like these protests have made material impact, right? Like they have achieved a number of goals as it is. Sure, so it, it's yeah. not, it's, yeah, it, it, like whatever kind of happens, there have been accomplishments. This is why I needed to talk to you because I, I very clearly do not understand American politics. Um, what what another thing I want to go back over right is the, the like for I kind of understand it, but maybe give us an idea of how um, serious it was that the federal agents came out and took over from the police. Like that's a big fucking deal, right? 
Yeah, it is a big deal. It's, it was a big deal seeing them out. And when they first started coming out, it was really strange because like the federal courthouse is right next to the like the, the focus of the protest for the longest time was like the Justice Center, um, which is the police headquarters. And the federal courthouse is right next door. And people have been graffitiing the courthouse, you know, since the very beginning. But there wasn't a lot of focus on on messing it up. Right. Um, and that changed once the feds started coming, and they kind of just one day started coming out and arresting people who were too close to the, the courthouse and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, there wouldn't be a warning. They wouldn't declare an unlawful assembly or whatever ahead of time, which is kind of the thing our police declare, you know, the police, there's always kind of an escalating series of warnings before they start shooting at you. The feds would just come out shooting and they would do it. Like it wouldn't have to be, the crowd wouldn't need to be very like aggressive or, or, you know, my, um, my colleague Garrison is the one who shot the video of Donovan LaBella, the young man who had his skull shattered by like a federal agent who shot him from like 30 feet away, right between the eyes of the rubber bullet. And Donovan was just like holding a boombox over his head at a very placid protest. And it's one of the things that's like so unpredictable about these feds is I was out the very next night. So like the night that they shot Donovan, it was a really pretty chill crowd. And they just started rushing out and beating and arresting people at random. The next night, People showed up angry and I was like, I spent the whole night watching teenagers drop kicking the doors of a federal courthouse to try to force feds to come out and shoot them. Um, and nothing happened. Like the feds didn't do shit. Um, kids were like lighting fires in the street and yeah, just like beating on the doors of the courthouse and they didn't show up. And then of course, like two nights later, you know, they were shooting in the street again. It's, it's like, it's, it's very strange, but the, um, the feds definitely by the time the feds started making a their presence known um the the protests had started to die down like a big night might be two three hundred people once a week and other nights you'd get like 100 150 people out there um and then the feds started showing up and just the way that they fight is really visually spectacular right because they have I would say they drop three to four times as many explosives and munitions as our police do when they fight. Um, so people started seeing this footage of these guys who looked like soldiers just tossing grenades in people's faces like they're fucking candy. And, um, you know, they saw Donovan get shot and they saw the video of those federal snatch fans and it brought people out again. So like more than anything, the federal response succeeded in revitalizing the protest movement in Portland, which, you know, I, I talk a lot about how military these guys are and the fact that they their first the, the fact that they're very good at hurting people and also very bad at winning an insurgency Um kind of means that they're it kind of reinforces my point that they're a lot like u.s soldiers <laughs> well they look like them i mean that's the thing you don't have to be like an a cab type or an anarchist to see that footage and go jesus christ like the way they were going around was just insane like no police force should be doing that and i get it the protests are violent yes but it's like you said like it you know one thing leads to another it doesn't come from nowhere and what about you talked about those snatch vans like tell me about that what was that all about like that was very that seemed like orwellian watching that footage of that like federal agent with no name tag grabbing a guy and flinging him into a fucking like basically a civilian van like what has happened with that it is terrifying dude like this yeah they, they were and it's the kind of thing people would be warning each other we, we would keep folks would be keeping an eye on like where the vans were they grabbed i've talked to a couple of the people they've grabbed and it's like most of them haven't even been charged with it with anything like it seems like it was a, a lot of it was an intimidation tactic right like they were just pulling people off the street detaining them for a couple hours illegally and then releasing them um 
and it was like folks who hadn't done anything. Um, and that, that is the thing where, because the people doing it, the feds doing it, were in like these minivans and were dressed as soldiers. It was very visually jarring, which is again, why it kind of got everyone's attention. But our police had kind of been doing the same thing for weeks, right? Like I had one of my stringers got arrested for asking a police officer his name um, because the police started covering their names, right? And like, we're, we're going out and you, you had, uh, we've had in Portland, not only the police hiding their names, but like police from four or five different agencies, you know, out on a given night. And every one of them has different rules of engagement. And every one of them, um, you know, it, it's like almost impossible, if not impossible to know, is this an Oregon state trooper? Is this um, a, a Multnomah County Sheriff's deputy? Is this a Portland police officer? Is this an officer from another town like Troutdale? Like you usually don't know because they're going out of their way to hide things. So like it is you know, the, the federal snatch fans kind of went viral, but police have been arresting people with little to no cause since the beginning. Um, and they've been doing it in such a way that it's kind of impossible to know who's who. Right. So like that is that has been happening from a pretty early stage in this conflict. It's just because the feds look exactly like soldiers, seeing them do it kind of sets sets you off more because it's like oh my god these are just like these are just these just look like special forces guys doing extraordinary renditions in the middle of american cities well it's a very bad message it sends an extremely even if it's just optics like it sends such a bad message to the people when they're saying like yeah can we not have militarized police to then send in what look like soldiers it's just i don't know it seems counterproductive to me man yeah and it's it, you know it's one of those things Again, this is the like people complain sometimes because they'll see like protesters throwing fireworks, right, at, or bottles at these guys. And they'll be like, well, that seems really violent. And it's like, yeah, that's definitely not peaceful, right? Like it's violent to throw a bottle at somebody. It's violent to throw a firework at someone's face. But at this point, like, you know, I, I there's a level of like. Uh, uh, people, uh, people have, are, I think, kind of at this stage of of feeling like the continuum of force has justified um, their aggression. Because, like, one of the one of the things the feds in particular will do is they'll knock people on the ground and then drop grenades on them, um, which sometimes ignite people. Right? Like my uh, again, one of the seventeen year old I go out with got shot in the backpack with a grenade that lit his backpack on fire. Like they do that shit all the time, mm. um, and it's just. Um, it's like, what do you expect people to do, right? Like, you can only shoot at people so often before they decide to deploy pretty significant force back. And kind of one of the things people have learned before the feds even came out, one of the things people have learned just sort of dealing with the Portland police is that no matter what you do, they're going to attack you, right? Like we had, you know, back in the early days of the marches on the fence, people would just march up to the fence and no one would even touch it. And the police would start firing pepper balls into the crowd to try to provoke somebody into chucking a water bottle. I've got all this on like film. I've, I've covered this a number of times. And once somebody throws a water bottle, then they'll justify tear gassing the crowd. And kind of the lesson that they taught everybody and the lesson the feds have been teaching everybody is that like you can get fucked up for no reason. Um, and the thing that people have taken out of that is like, well, then why shouldn't I why shouldn't I do whatever? Right. Like if, if any, if anything that I do, um, merits a violent response from the state, why shouldn't I use violence? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's in the constitution, no? <laughs> um, 
and uh, I want to uh, talk about the situation now with the what the the feds are actually using to fire at you guys. Uh, I've been following uh, a Braxis Spy great account on Twitter, and he's been identifying what they were, and it it just seems like crazy. Like maybe you can give us an idea of what it what it is that actually hitting you guys with. Um, you know, we're we're trying to figure that out. They're they're mostly shooting at us. Um, the impact rounds are mostly pepper balls and they'll throw rubber bullets when they really want to mess people up or baton rounds. Um, they also have these like pellet rounds where it's basically like a shotgun, but the pellets are rubber instead of lead. And they also have something that's like a shotgun, but it's kind of like, I think it feels like shards of capsaicin, you know, the stuff that's in pepper spray. Um, so they have those weapons. They have a lot of smoke grenades, which like mostly just obscure things like they're not as bad as the tear gas. But we do know from data on them that the smoke grenades are very carcinogenic. Um, So that's not pleasant. Um, And then they have OC and CS, which are both kind of like different tear gases. Um, And the the police stuff at this point, everybody's kind of used to. It doesn't really have that much of an impact on me anymore. The federal tear gas is way stronger. And most of it, a lot of it's expired, too. That old trick. Yeah. We go out every night and kind of collect pieces of munitions to try to figure out when they were made. Um, And the other night, again, I'm out with um, uh, my crew, which includes this guy Garrison, who's 17. And we come across a tear gas canister that's two years older than him. (laughs) No way. Yeah, a 19-year-old tear gas canister and, and for anyone that doesn't realize you are not allowed to use expired tear gas you sure you're sure not and they use it all the time yeah. and I, I can't tell you if like that's what's so much nastier because the federal stuff really fucks you up right um and some of it's yellow there's a different like there's been rumors now that they're using chlorine gas which i think is just protest rumors right if they've been dropping chlorine we'd have a lot of dead people you know yeah, it's yeah. Got gas but it is like the people aren't just like suspecting this because they're paranoid it's because the gas is different and it it hits much harder and i think more than anything like it's a mix of them using very strong expired gas in enormous quantities so that instead of like normal tear gas where it just kind of forces you back and makes your eyes water and your lungs hurt you start puking um because it's just so strong right like the, the the density of tear gas i think is what's actually having the effect rather than it being some sort of weird tear gas although we do have a colleague of mine took video that is very unsettling of the feds policing their brass. And like there, there's video of this guy like picking up different pieces of spent munitions and tossing most of them back onto the ground, but picking up and hiding a couple of specific rounds. Yeah, and we don't know which ones he was picking up, right? Or like why he would, because they leave most of their stuff on the street, right? Like they don't police their brass as a rule. They leave it on the street. Um, but this guy felt the need or was ordered or whatever to, to pick up something. And we don't know what that was. That's very concerning because even if it's not like, oh, the state told them to, you don't know. Like, I mean, we know what the police are like around there. They could have been like, yeah, let's fucking fire this thing at them. You know what I mean? Yeah, you just have no idea. And they have weird shit. Like, dude, have you seen the fucking, have you seen the bucket and ladle? Yeah, what they, they're burning like some gaslight. It look, what is that? Sincer, it looks like a fucking Catholic priest from the plague years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone told me actually, like, uh, I put a video up on the Popular Front Instagram, and someone messaged me and was like, oh, it's, uh, it's basically like a huge, um, like thicket of tear gas that you know what i mean and they just it, it's like spraying a hundred rounds but just wafting it everywhere like yeah 
and it, it's the weird the first time i saw it on the street like i'm like i see it because like these guys march towards me through a hail of tear gas and you just see a man holding this burning bucket with like a fucking uh, a ladle of 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 poison smoke coming off of it and it's just like what is happening in my city this is I, i've never seen that in my life i've never seen it in my life before yeah it's fucking nuts <laughs> so so they i read earlier that they were saying um the federal agents are like pulling back and they're going to probably, you know, get back in their box or whatever. Is that, is that, do you think that like, I mean, if the protesters won or is it, they're just done for the, for a while now? Why is this? Yeah, I think they've just, I think the feds just made an agreement with the local government. Cause like our mayor is perfectly happy to tear gas us. He did it. Like he went out, he got very publicly tear gassed by the feds. But like he gassed us like 200 times prior to that. So it was kind of just sort of a photo op. Because his 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 competition in the November election also got tear gassed earlier, and he kind of I think he felt like he had to do it in order to be competitive. Um, but no, I think what they're going to do is they're going to pull the feds back because they've recognized that it's bad optics to have the feds fucking people up every night. And I think they're going to bring in Oregon State Police or something, and they're just going to have the cops fucking up the crowd again. <laughs> so what? One step forward, two steps back. Yeah, I mean, it's like I guess it's good. It's kind of up to both sides to spin the optics of it, right? Because obviously, like, we're in a situation where I do think, like, looking at them last night, they seemed exhausted. And it does seem, I think the crowd, obviously the crowd doesn't have kind of the, the sheer force to to beat them, you know? Um, unless people were to, like, really escalate things to another level, and then, like, that's a terrifying possibility. But, like, what the crowd does have the ability to do, and I think has been doing successfully, is making their job miserable, right? Like, it's come out recently that, like, the judges who work in that courthouse have ordered all of their employees to work from home because, you know, they've been tear gassing it so much, and people blow the tear gas directly back into the building itself. Oh, with the leaf blowers, I've seen that. It's crazy. And so the top, like, seven or eight floors of the courthouse are completely uninhabitable now um, because it's just so drenched in poison. Um and they're they're standing in it all night every night. Like they have really good, you know, CBRN shit. They've got good gas masks and 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 gear. But you know that isn't perfect, right? Like you can only stand in a cloud of tear gas for so long, even in good gear, before it has an effect on you. And it's also a situation where, like, I know how bad my clothing stinks of tear gas at the end of the night, and how like important it is to like strip it off and wash my shit. And, like sometimes I don't even bring it inside because it, it'll it'll gas my house and they're all dealing with that right like it's exhausting to wear that shit when they take it off they tear gas themselves because they're so coated in tear gas it seems like a miserable job right um and i guess that's one of the things the protesters can call a victory is they i think they did succeed in make in making working in portland like the worst job in the federal government yeah yeah i i they're definitely uh you know they're definitely fighting and they, they seem to be really about it um, Robert, before we wrap this up, is there anything else that uh, you think we should mention uh, that we might have missed? Um, no, I mean it's one of those things. I um, I think there's a one of the things that's kind of difficult when reporting on this is I, I do think it's important to kind of like remember why this all started and sort of like keep things centered on the issue of police violence against you know, black people and, 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 you know, indigenous people and, and other mm. non-white folks. I think that's, I think that's important. Um, I think that's valuable. It's also one of the things that kind of, 
you, you can kind of lose that thread sometimes as a reporter because it's all become so personal at this point. Right. Um, like, like it is, it is a more, it is, it, 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 it's become about not just kind of the movement or, you know, the broader sort of, um, political desires and concerns people have, but also you've got this specific group of people who has been repeatedly going out and fighting every night with this specific other group of people and they all know and hate each other. Um, and that's a dimension of it that's kind of like kind of difficult to explain, right? Because it's one of those things where you kind of have um, you, you have a lot of people who hate each other at this point, um, right? Like who hate each other personally, not just because of their job, but because like, oh, I recognize you. You're the guy who dragged my friend on his back into a cloud of tear gas the other night, right? You're right. the guy who conned my friend in the face. Um, and on the cop side, I'm sure like they're like, oh yeah, like that's the dude who, um, you know, fucking uh, shines lasers in our eyes, right? Or, like, that's the dude who shot those, hit, that, hit uh, like, us with that firework the other night. Um, so it's become very personal. Um, and I guess that's, like, the strangest thing covering it, um, is kind of trying to, trying to keep that dimension in your head, especially as, like, all these out-of-town press come in, right? Who, like, don't really understand the dynamics and who are like, why is everybody so angry? And it's like, well, because they've been beating the shit out of each other for 60 days. <laughs> Yeah, I think you've been doing a great job, though, man. I read that op-ed you did for Bellingcat, and I thought it was really good. And a lot of people were, were saying, like, oh, well, this is something that was done. They were like, well, he, he said at the start they were mostly peaceful, uh, and then he said about them attacking the courthouse. And it's like, mate, there were two, like, over, like, what, 2,000 people and a couple hundred attacked the courthouse. That is literally the definition of mostly peaceful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, most of them didn't attack anything. So it's been very, very strange. I think I think what it is, is for me as a Brit, just seeing it from the outside, seeing how political, like a political ball game it is. You know, it's like you would get people that should, in theory, be defending the people that are protesting. Um, but because they're not their political stripe, all of a sudden they're on the side of the state. You know, and it, it's just all very, it's very strange to see from here. Like, it's very, you can see where, I guess you can see where the division is coming in, like, stronger than ever, I guess, is what I'm saying, you know, from abroad anyway. Yeah, it's weird, because, like, as I, I grew up in the South, right, like, in Waco was, you know, I didn't grow up all that far from Waco. So, like, what, you know, the, the fucking raid on the Branch Davidian compound was, like, a thing. And growing up, it, it was always this, like, the conservatives and libertarians hated the feds, right? And right. the fact now you have conservatives and libertarians defending federal stormtroopers doing extraordinary renditions in like unmarked vans is is so weird to me that like things flipped around to that level right i i used to follow the like michigan militia kind of movement that was the first thing i saw years like over 10 years ago and uh, to be fair actually some of them were all right but like a lot of the kind of anti-government militias flipped to pro-government overnight when trump came in but there was a guy I was talking to recently, like to play the devil's advocate, I was saying the same as you. I was like, how can these anti-government libertarians suddenly be, you know, on the side of these, the feds? And he said, well, look, these groups have been trying to bash the, the right wingers for, for however long. Why should we protect them now? And I was like, oh, that is actually interesting. Like, I mean, the argument is that, well, you claim you love the Constitution. And I think it even says about defending your enemy, right? But... You know, it's, I don't know, it was, it's an interesting side of it. I, I think it shows that how, um, I don't know, it's just all so superficial now, I think, a lot of this ideology. It, it You know, but there's also this level to which people are getting, like, radicalized in a way that I haven't seen before. So, like, you made a, you made a point about, like, 
it being most people not attacking the courthouse. Mm. And that was true. That's been truer at like some of the very large actions where there's been thousands. But we had we did have like last Monday, we had about fifteen hundred people show up. Um and they were kind of all down to tear down the courthouse. Like I was I was standing in a line with like this wall of moms, which is kind of this, you know, it's a bunch of local moms um, who are, are mostly don't have a huge amount of protest experience. Um, we're all very new to getting tear gassed a couple of weeks ago um, and, you know, not traditional radicals. And I'm like standing there, you know, as, as everybody's like banging on the doors of this courthouse. And this one mom behind me says, we should get a sledgehammer and break down the door. And then she starts <laughs> trying to break down the door with her body. Um, and like, it was, it was pretty, and we had all these like boogaloo types, right? Show up in their Hawaiian shirts. And mm. once the tear gas started flying, most of those guys left really quickly, but there were like groups of moms in their yellow shirts, hucking grenades back at the, at the feds. It was like, things have gotten very strange here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hate to be like, uh, this is very cliche and corny, but technically it's a popular front because it's not all people that agree with everything, but it's all people that agree with the one thing. And I honestly, I feel like that's more in terms of uh, protests. That's I've seen that happen a few times, very few times, but it's more organic and actually sustainable than a brutally politically ideological thing. So when some people are like, ah, they don't even have like a strict ideology, they're all over the place. It's like, well, yeah, that's kind of how like actual real protest happens because it's just so many people pissed off at the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of what's going on. And it's, um, I don't know, you know, um, it, uh, I, it's not what something I really expected. I, I moved here because I expected something kind of like this to happen just because Portland has you know, we've had these escalating series of protests between like right wing and left wing demonstrators for a while here. Um, it's kind of in a perfect area for this to happen because Portland's very liberal, you know, sometimes even bordering on leftist, whereas kind of the surrounding suburbs and countryside is more conservative. So it seemed like a good bet for a place where something like this might occur. But I'm kind of shocked by the extent to which it's been happening. Right. Um, I didn't expect it to be like it has been. Um, you know, 60 something straight nights of, um, almost entire, most of them have been riots, you know, most of them have been, or have been like declared riots, right? Heavy clashes though, right? Yeah. Like I, I th like if, if you want my opinion, I think we've only had one thing that I would declare as a riot where you just have like a lot of random people in the city destroying stuff and looting like that yeah. happened. Once. Yeah. I always say that as well, like, that's all right, it's attacking shops, when it's spread, that's all right, like, a kind of focused clash is not the same as a riot, and it's like, they seem to be focused, you know what I mean? Yeah, but the police, so there was, like, an injunction put against the police, kind of midway through, that said they couldn't use tear gas anymore, unless it was a life-threatening situation, so they started declaring everything a riot, because if it's a riot, a, a riot's a life-threatening situation by definition, so if they declare it a riot, they get to tear gas everybody, you know? Right, yeah, it's all in the paperwork, huh? Jesus. Um, all right, Robert, mate, thank you very much. I know you've been out there every night. Like, I know you're very tired, so thanks for doing this, man. Um, where can people follow you reporting on this? You can find me on Twitter at, at IWriteOkay. Um, I'd also recommend checking in with a couple of friends of mine. Um, you can fi follow uh, Tuck Woodstock, uh, at Tuck Woodstock. You can follow um, the 45th Absurdist Brigade, which is a little journalist collective in town, at at 45th Absurdist. Um, Garrison Davis, young photojournalist at, at Hungry Bowtie. Those are all good people to follow. 
Um, and Mr. Olmos on Twitter, Sergio Olmos has been, he's a local reporter, but he's been doing a lot of stuff for the New York times since this all started. He's great. Um, yeah, you know, follow local Portland journalists. They've got the story and they've been, they've been doing the hell out of it since, since it began. Um, yeah. Yeah. 100% behind that. Follow local journalists. Definitely not those that are always parachuted in, which I have done a lot, <laughs> but like definitely follow local journalists. So have I. Yeah. <laughs> um, Portland's case though, you know, you've got a pretty good press corps that, that really, I think does have a handle on this. All right, Robert. Thank you very much, mate. And uh, get some rest. Yeah. Thanks, man. Bye. Cheers, bro. That was Robert Evans speaking about the clashes in Portland, Oregon. Definitely check him out and all the people he mentioned are doing great work out there. Um, yeah, if you want to support Popular Front, as always, go to patreon.com slash popular front. We've got loads of stuff going on there now. We've got this new series, Too Cool for Jay School, which the name is tongue-in-cheek, relax, but we're doing a series basically teaching people that are not going to journalism school, not going to uni, any of that, or if they are, they can learn extra from this series that we're making. So yeah, patreon.com slash popular front. Go and check that out. There's bonus episodes, access to the Discord, uh, discounts for merchandise, all sorts. Uh, get merchandise at popularfront.shop on social medias. We are uh, Twitter is uh, slash popularfrontco. Instagram is popular.front. Uh, YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash popularfront. Um, what else? Yeah. <laughs> there's, I don't know. There's, there's, there's too much going on at the minute. Um, yeah. So. This episode is sponsored by Oracle Coffee Shop in Portland, Oregon, USA, where this episode is about. Uh, they're an independent coffee shop selling only fair trade products. See them at 3875 Southwest Bond Avenue, 97239. The episode is also sponsored by Grind Core House, a pair of independent coffee shops in Philadelphia, USA. One in the South, one in the West. Check them out on social media at Grind Core House. And this episode is also sponsored by Propagandopolis, an outlet selling and informing people about historical conflict propaganda. You can get brilliant prints at propagandopolis.com. It's P-R-O-P-A-G-O-N-D-O-P-O-L-I-S.com. Mad. Propagandopolis. You know, if you say it like that, it sounds Greek, I guess, whatever. Uh, yeah, check them out. Um, thank you very much to our high-tier Patreons. They are Jav, Bastian, uh, Gil, Guillermo, Rittmeyer, I think that is. Tell me if I've said that wrong. Ian Froese, James Cully, Michael Ackerman, Ethan Reyes, Fitz Madrid, Joe Watt, Alex Northrop, Ed Coulthard, Johnny LaFleur, Clayton Taylor, Hugo Newski, Maxwell Burke, BREN86, The Cyborg, Anthony Kabarak, Don Wayne, Scott Hopton, Scott Hopton, Liam Williams, Fragile Feeling, Chris Cusimano, Sebastian from the Discord, Degenerate Zero Alpha, Chris Davis, DR, Trey Nance, Charlie, Olin Thorne, Amy Rupert, Rubicon, uh, where are we? What's going on here? Alright, Prashant Singh, Azad, Frank Austin, Amelia Mee, Christina Rovetti, Moody Al Rashid, Bill Wilson, Emiliano, Andrew Hurley, Vida Provost, Brian McLaughlin, Ari from the Discord, Young Wasabi, Surushay Hawazi, Tony Bin, Adam Berg Snyder, Scartoon Music, uh, 
Stephen Davila, Patrick Bronte, Dan Dunham, Fletcher Tate, Chadwick Walker, Diana Gorvenek, Cubal, Lawrence Abrahams, Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did, Emily Molly, Axel Iverson, Christopher Martin, Ryan Sandercock, Daniel Shearer, and Joanne Stocker. Thank you all very, very much. Really appreciate that. If uh, you guys want about, then we wouldn't be flying ahead as we are. Um, yeah, so go to patreon.com slash popular front. The more uh, we raise there, the more money we get. You know, we do everything independently. The more um, you'll get with popular front, basically. And if we hit the like next uh, uh, goal on our Patreon, there's going to be a full popular front series that will go into production. We're close. I'd say maybe by, I don't know, maybe in the next couple of months we'll get there. But if we hit that, yeah, we're going to start like uh, it's 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 it was going to be the video magazine but i'm thinking let's just jump straight ahead and do the series which um which i don't know like i mean i've, I've kind of talked about it, it, it i've changed the name of it would be called a uh, bad signal um bad signal the wars you won't see in the news and it's basically going to be us going to all these conflicts that you just don't hear about in the news that are currently going on sort of stuff we cover in popular front but we'd like to go there and film it on the ground and make a documentary series about that saying hey you should be aware that you know there are other wars other than syria or libya or whatever well libya is a bad example because you barely hear about that but you know what i'm saying it's going to be like the kind of forgotten wars that are ongoing um yeah in a series i think it'll be good so yeah patreon.com slash popular front uh music in this episode the intro was by home and the outro was by sam black follow him at uh, samblackpf.com you'll be redirected to his uh, SoundCloud cheers